0: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to episode 97 of A Life in Ruins podcast, where you investigate the careers of those living a life in ruins. I am your host, Connor Johnen, and I am joined by my co host, David Howe. Carlton would not be joining us on this podcast, and I can't even poke fun at him for it because he has a very legit excuse for not being here. For today's episode, we are joined by Nicholas Carbone, an undergraduate in anthropology at the University of Connecticut and TikTok personality. How are you doing on this uh, lovely, lovely day? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for
2: having me. Yeah, man. I think I told you this when uh, I messaged you, but my mom grabbed her phone, brought it to me when I was visiting one weekend and was like, hey, this kid you should do your videos like him; they're better. <laughs> and I was like, "God damn it!" Oh shit, sorry, Chris, hang on. Wet. And I was like, "Damn it!" So yeah, they're great, dude. And I saw like you posted two videos, and like the next day you had like a hundred thousand subs. And I was like, "Whoa!"
0: That was insane. For the record, I think yours are better because they're like funny. Oh, <laughs> but, it's all good. No, no. Like that was, that was just absolutely surreal. I posted that video. It was the the one about the Boylston street fish weir. And I went to bed right, that night yeah. and I had five followers and like no views. I woke up the next morning with a million and a half. And that was just a weird day. Wow. Yeah.
2: Wow. <laughs> Wait, it's yeah. a million and a half now?
1: Oh yeah. no, a
0: million and a half uh,
1: views, not not followers. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, dude, yeah. good
0: for you. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: So your your TikTok obviously deals with prehistory and uh kind of topics like that. Where did this love of the past come from? Were you is it can you trace that like back to your childhood or anything like that? Definitely. So I was definitely a history
0: kid. I traced my origin story with archaeology back to when I was about seven years old. Somebody let me watch the movie Titanic. Probably shouldn't have at seven. Uh, But yeah, so I watched that movie and just became like really infatuated Mm -hmm. with the Titanic. Just like really, really got really into it. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, it it was the only movie (laughs) I would watch like ever for like a solid year i I wouldn't watch like any other movie and i like drew like i'm in like second grade i was like drawing girls what is
2: that oh
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no not french girls uh (laughs) no i would draw these like vivid like like uh like pictures of like the titanic sinking and it would like freak out my parents So there, I think that that was like a very formative experience. Like, like, you know, the concept of like, I think I was just really fascinated by the idea that there was like this ship that like used to be like really lively and, you know, inhabited. And then and now it's at the bottom of the Atlantic and is just um, abandoned and has been left, you know, a, a shell. So I got, I got inter- interested in history too from my grandfather. He was always into like World War II and that kind of thing. I moved into a a house like a new house when i was a kid as well and it was on top of a hill and the foundation was from the 1920s. like it was like a newer build but the foundation was from like the 1920s and one day i was playing in the backyard and like on the hill i found this like lump of coal and I was like really like fascinated by it. So like I, I ran inside and like asked my dad, I was like, like, why is there coal in the backyard? And he's like, <laughs> oh, it's from when like, you know, the house in the 20s, like used to be heated by like, a coal furnace. And I was just so like fascinated by Blow that. I, yeah. And yeah. so I would spend hours like in the backyard, like digging up coal and like putting <laughs> it in like plastic, ba- like Ziploc bags and just keeping it in my room. I had this whole collection of just goes it, it was just so fascinating to me and then you know and when i was a little later on i read the percy
1: jackson series if you're familiar with that i, yeah. I just read those this last year oh yeah like I, I just i just went on a bender and, and read all of them they're they're fantastic no
0: they're they're great books um yeah no and that, so that got me into like greek mythology and which got me into ancient greece which got me into just classical antiquity in general and i've i've loved that Period ever since. And then, yeah, and then so I just kind of like my interest in history developed from there, and subsequently my interest in archaeology stemmed from my interest in history. Very
1: cool. I think the Titanic movie does a really good job of showing, like, the obviously the wreck and showing archaeology and how it preserved and stuff. I thought that they really did an excellent job at that and the movie and kind of inspired folks. I'm glad it inspired folks like you to, you know, pursue it further. Also, I wasn't allowed to watch the second VHS because there was too much death.
2: Yeah, (laughs) right. It was two, two VHSs. I don't remember seeing it. I remember seeing it and my parents making me close my eyes at that scene or one scene. And then like, I just don't remember any of the movie other than violence. Yeah, I need to watch it again. But is at the end? Is there like? a Do they show you the wreck or something?
0: Yeah, it's actually at the beginning too. It's like there's like this because it starts like in the 1980s, and they go down like in the submarine, and it's like, and then it shows you like the wreck in the submarine. Oh. But it was funny. Like whenever I would watch it, I would just skip to the end, like where the boat was sinking. I would just didn't <laughs> care about
1: the plot at all.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's the part that my parents were like it was just like too mortality inducing or something, you know, people like jumping off the back and getting like speared by the oh, propellers yeah. was, and you know, it was gruesome. Oh, yeah. I have to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't think I remember any of it. I gonna have to watch that. I was going to say though, so you're putting coal into Ziploc bags. So I want the record to reflect that Nicholas Carbone is excited about carbon.
0: Yep. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Carbone or carbon in Italian means car, but I can't remember.
0: It does. I can verify that.
2: It does? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Was, yeah, <laughs> I was around Italian a lot when I was a kid, so it's just like a little bit, but yeah, I, I guess you're from Boston, right? I'm actually, I'm from Connecticut. I'm currently Connecticut. living in Boston now though. Okay. Yeah. How do you like that? I mean, I grew up in the Northeast. It's what actually my tangent here was going to be that you have all that cool stuff in your backyard. It's always a little interesting to me out East. There's so much archeological history. I mean, post 1492, a little like historically. Um, And then like out West, it's not so much, you know? And like, what was that like as a kid? And like, I remember going to Paul Revere's house in Boston and stuff all the time.
0: Yeah. So that's, what's interesting to me about New England archaeology in general is that like people conceive of new england as being this really old part of the country right like it was you know the puritans and plymouth colony and and whatever but at the same time like people don't conceive of it as having an ancient past really like and because it's really easy to miss like with all the suburban sprawl and it's like it's very like you, you feel very disconnected from like ancient like the ancient past of the place. Um, and which is why I love doing New England archaeology is because it reminds people that this place has been here. It's just as old as everywhere else. And it's just right under our feet, if you know where to look.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, we had Heather Rockwell on a couple episodes back and I will figure out which one that is. But yeah, she she like studies like the small subset of which is the Paleo-Indian period of New England, which is even like a smaller niche than even just prehistory of new england oh yeah yeah so it's 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 cool so there's like a lot of do you feel like you're like on the cutting edge sometimes because folks don't do a lot of that kind of research
0: yeah i mean so i've i've personally never worked on like any like any like pre-contact sites but i have like been around like you know like i've like been in the lab and like they talk about it and it's like you know and like we have all the you know, a bunch of stuff in the lab, like full of artifacts and, and whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's just, I feel very like immersed in in it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've never done any done any, like really any hard research, um, pre-contact yet, but I would like to eventually.
2: The, uh, the video you posted about like the, the fishery that was prehistoric or I'm sorry, pre-contact was like pretty sick. I did not, I'd never heard of that. And I was like, whoa. And also I was like, this kid is screwed in. That was a really good video. But- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
0: So that that's, that's the thing that I think what resonated about that video, at least for me was like, people don't think of like, cause like that's the thing, like Boston's an old city and like, it's like one of the oldest cities in the United States. But at the same time, you don't think of it as being an ancient place. Right. So I think it like, people were just kind of sh- like, when I, Made that video, I think the most the reason it was popular is just people were struck by the fact that, like, even in the middle of the city, there's like ancient archaeological heritage from like 5,000 years ago, right. right beneath the center of downtown. I, and I think that's partly what I love to do with my TikTok is highlight history in places where people don't think of it as existing,
2: right?
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. So transitioning, you watch Titanic digging up coal in your backyard, you're drawing these these really intense drawings of uh, ships and, and things like that. What ultimately led you to continue studying that and go to a, a undergrad? And did you initially go for history and archeology span when you first went?
0: Yeah. So it's funny. I actually initially went into college for political science with the mind that I was going to go into like public policy or like work in politics. Cool. And then about during my sophomore year, I just was like, I'd rather stab my eyeballs out than do that.
2: <laughs> was <laughs> that around like 2016-ish, 20 or 20? It was uh,
0: 2020 uh, about, yeah.
2: Twenty. Okay, that would definitely do yeah. it for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was about actually, so here's the unfortunate thing is that it was about spring 2020. I switched my major into uh, anthropology and, you know, spring 2020, it was like COVID was just ratcheting up. Hmm. And I immediately, all of my classes were moved online and I was online like purely for the next year. And so my first year of like being in anthropology was totally online and I didn't like meet any of my professors. And it was just really Hmm. kind of awful in terms of like getting to know people in the, in the field.
2: That's a Pretty common thing we're hearing, and it's it's interesting because, I mean, Carlton isn't here because he's literally doing some PhD stuff right now. He went through it, and he was teaching and a student in, like, the COVID, you know, times, but Connor and I were, like, already done with school, and, like, we didn't see it, but from the guests that we've had on and, like, like talked during the, like, the in-between segments, it's, like... It's a crazy thing to deal with, and I'm like any kid, that, like or any student right now in in school. Like I'm proud of them. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think with. I think
1: anthropology and archaeology is a really hands on or it's taught well when it's hands-on exciting fun and it's got to be so hard to actually get that out via zoom or whatever you're doing like i i would fall asleep and i love archaeology but like i would i would sleep through like an archaeology like a prehistory lecture right now and I, yeah so i commend you folks who have gone through it and continue to go through it because like it just would not work for me i don't think
0: yeah, no, I mean I was taking archaeology labs like remotely, trying to do lab lab stuff. Like just
2: like
1: how do you but, do like they
2: picking would, up skulls and stuff or? They,
0: they would send us like PDFs like with like data on it and then like, oh like make sense of this or like, you know, they they made it work somehow, but it was just really lousy.
1: <laughs> wow. It's not yeah. fun. Well could you That's... imagine doing like bioanth without being able to touch like the skulls? <laughs> No. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no, I, had a, I had a human evolution class and it was like when I mean, we had like labs and we had to do a lot with like you know measuring bones and
1: mm-hmm.
0: that kind of thing and it was they, they had to like figure out how to do that on on like a pdf <laughs> it was just,
2: yeah. yeah dang I, don't, I remember sitting right next to connor in our bio class like picking and my teacher was like passing us not to rub it in but like passing different hominid skulls and we were like you get the touch and like see them and stuff but that's like the magic of it to me but yeah being able to do that on zoom i'm assuming and then still be into it is that's cool
1: yeah um so, oh yeah. so, so did they make it so how did you kind of keep your interest or was you just were you just so interested in it that you just kind of kept pursuing it as as part of it I, yeah, I mean, I just I just
0: love it, you know, and I just kind of I mean, cause at the same time, like, yes, it, having on classes online was was terrible. But at the same time, it was also nice because I didn't have to, like, leave my room before 7 a.m. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, like like learning wise and like education wise, it was definitely a uh, detriment.
2: Did you get to do a field school? I, I did. guess before that. OK.
0: Oh, no, I, I actually did it this summer. Uh, 2021. Um, OK, cool. and it was awesome. Loved it
2: yeah I guess for the audience like what uh, kind of stuff you do
0: yeah so we were working on this site in Mystic Connecticut it is actually pretty amazing preservation wise it was a single component Pequot domestic site that was hastily abandoned in 1637 during the Pequot War for obvious reasons what, what happened was was that we actually, not me, but my professor and his people he was working with found the site based on from a historical document left behind by one of uh, by an English soldier who had hmm. briefly mentioned it in this document where he was talking about like you know like we came across like after this battle, they uh, came across this uh, he said like several houses and burned them but and then and and going off of that like through battlefield archaeology, he like retraced exactly the site that he was talking about, which is really, really interesting.
2: That's the fun thing about historical. Like you got like written records and stuff to like match up. And I assume when those match up, you're like, well, hell yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah. wild. Um and actually what's what's really crazy about it is the site was so like it was on the battlefield and so like all around the battlefield they found like musket shot and arrow like these like brass uh arrow points that were like bent backwards like fully bent backwards from hitting something damn yeah and so Ooh. yeah and i was i was uh i was excavating like the shell middens at the site and even like in the in in the float samples that i was doing in the lab we we would find impacted musket shot like like bird shot the small little pellets um yeah so we know it was it was it was defended it was not inhabited at the time it was attacked but it was defended is what we think so it's, it's pretty it's a it's a once in a lifetime site it was a bit heavy working there i would say because of like the context of it right but no it was it was really i'm grateful that it was my first experience in archaeology because it's just such a and that's the thing too It was it was completely mm-hmm. It's never been plowed or anything. So it was undisturbed. It's just like this single moment in time, memori- like frozen, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Well, that's cool, man. Let's end the segment on that because that's pretty cool. Um, and then the next one, let's get more into what you did in undergrad. Welcome back to episode 97 of the Life Renewance Podcast. I'm lost without our captain, Carlton, but I'm trying my best here with um, Nicholas Carbone. And we, or actually, he told me in the DMs, want to hit him up about this, that you actually did listen to the podcast before, or you, you, you do actively before we get into the, some new England stuff. I want to know what is that like? And I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I, I found, I found you guys because I originally listened to the, uh, the dirt. Okay. And Carlton went on the dirt one time and pitched, uh, he didn't pitch it, but he like, I, he was I found out about you guys through Carlton going on the dirt. Um, mm. And I've been listening ever since. I love you guys. Yeah, no, I love, I love this podcast. I <laughs> know, cool. we, we appreciate
1: it. I think, uh, think Carlton described David's style, podcasting style, as Joe Rogan. Where he takes like the PBS E-Hans kind of approach in that interview, which was which I thought was yeah. hilarious. Interesting,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool to hear. It, it's like weird. We started the podcast, what, 2019? So we haven't really gone to like a conference or Connor and I haven't seen other archeologists really. So it's like going to be weird when we go because apparently people listen to it. So
1: we're going to get a lot of hate. (laughs) That's
2: more what I'm getting
1: at. Um, So you were also given other opportunities during your undergraduate career to do archeology span specifically. It looks like you um, you did some stuff in some more new world archeology span kind of working in, I think it's in Connecticut, right? Yep. With that independent study. Do you mind talking about that and what kind you did you did for that?
0: Yeah. So um, the independent study that I did, we it was actually just a continuation of the field work that I did over the summer. We had uh, hundreds of like float sample bags to just like go through, um, and I was doing that the entire semester because <laughs> um, we had because we when we were excavating these shell middens, like we just kind of just bagged them all. And so I was going through and, you know, sorting all the soft shell clam and the oyster and the uh, ceramics and the animal bones and like the faunal stuff and all separate stuff into separate, you know, bags and weighing them and whatever. So that, that was a like kind of the tedious aspect of it. But I was also doing a bit of research as I was doing that. And so I was looking at the ceramic diversity at this site because we were able to deduce few different in, like discrete individual households at the site there's about 3 of them and each of each, each household had a shell midden associated with it so it was like the shell midden of, of the house and each shell midden obviously because they're different families they had different waste disposal patterns and like different you know habits and what i noticed when i was going through the bags was that there was a lot of of diversity in the ceramic types that they were using, some of the ceramics had shell temper in them. Others uh, had grit temper. Others had no discernible temper. And so, I just kind of wanted to figure out why that was. Also, there was like different design elements on some of them as well. But yeah, yeah. I, I just I just wanted to figure out like why, like what was accounting for the diversity. Um, And I didn't, I didn't get super far with it. I kind of, the the paper I wrote, I just kind of pitched a bunch of different like hypotheses as to why this could be, I mostly was like, oh, like this, the grit temper could have a different
1: functional, functional. Like it was, it was purposeful for something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Better.
0: Yeah. Better for some things than, than others. And or like, you know, the different design elements could be different, you know, kinship networks or whatever. And I, yeah. again, I, I was working with a pretty limited sample size because there wasn't actually a ton of ceramics to come out of that site. So, you know, I was just, I was grasping at straws a little bit sometimes. But, you know, I had a fun time doing that.
2: Grasping sure. at sherds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For um, the audience listening who's non-archaeologists, a shell midden, essentially it's kind of just a dump, right? Like you just it's like where they put the shells, they were like cracking open and then some junk yep. in the Southeast here. You find dogs in them. You find people in them. Not that they were cracking open the people, but they just threw people in the dump sometimes. Um, and then see the word temper, right. That's like the stuff you put into pottery to bind it. And it's usually sand or shell or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a cool thing, man. Did you find any like thing, like what was your, the best takeaway for you? like, what'd you like most about it?
0: So, when I was sorting the 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 bags, it was interesting because we'd find like really like tiny minuscule stuff that you'd never get in a sifter. Um so I found a few these like Dutch uh, glass trade beads from like, you know, the 1630s. Nice. Yeah, I found like again, like I said, like impacted musket shot and, you know, like like little bird bones and stuff. I but I, I personally liked you know, like working with the ceramics the most because it was just I don't know, it because it felt like like someone like touched this and like made this and crafted this, this vessel and like now I'm touching it. It's yeah. just really kind of some, it's, yeah, it's it's corny, but it's kind of like an emotional experience. Like when there's like 400 years separating you from this person who last touched it. It's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know Carlton, if Carlton was here, he would, he would call Arrowheads the poor man's ceramics because, <laughs> because you can learn so much about ceramics. You can learn about the local environment, um, studying the temper. You can really date pretty well using osl and things like that where what time they came from um like you said there's those individual design aspects that are really really interesting and we you know out west at least where i was working in in wyoming there's like the whole state is described under brown wear, which is like that's that's there's like no diversity out there so it's cool to hear that there is that sort of diversity out there and at least within the same site and within the same group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, uh, New England ceramic, like especially in the, like during the contact period, uh, this the New England. I, I have a lot of criticisms of the ceramic like typologies, but it gets very convoluted and there's a lot of mm-hmm. diversity around that time for a variety of different reasons. But yeah, no, there's a lot to, the only thing is though, is that ceramics don't preserve terribly well in New England because of the weather here. I, I, I think it's just like, you know, the constant freezing and thawing, and also the fact that New England ceramics are relatively thin and they just shatter. Like there's a bazillion pieces. You would never find a full vessel.
2: Do you guys get uh, colon aware up there, or is it I- not? Think.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think we get that. I mean, um, okay. is, is that like a, a kind of, is that from the Southeast or is it?
2: It, it is down here, especially on the coast. It's like, like European indigenous and African like pottery styles like combined together.
0: Oh, interesting. No, I've never even, I gotta look more into that actually.
2: It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's probably cause there's more, I don't know. I don't know why it would be. I mean the African sure it down South, but like the indigenous, I don't know. But yeah, I always thought that was a whole coastal thing. but. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, tangent. Um, <laughs> Connor, you're yeah, probably more on task than I am. Sorry, I'd look at it two screens.
1: <laughs> so you also got opportunities to do stuff that is not specifically New England archaeology. Specifically, you also worked in studied the Etruscan populations and kind of took a, a very different approach in studying something completely different than, you know, ceramic sherds and... <laughs> And burials like that. So, do you mind talking about that? Yeah. So that's kind of a, a
0: funny story. So when I when I was initially going into archaeology, I went in with the mind that I was going to do like classical archaeology. I wanted to study the Mediterranean. And so, like the first research experience that I came across was like this professor, and he was asking like if anybody wanted to like do like like a research project with him, and I said yes, like I'll I'll do it and. I came up with this like research question and I applied for this grant and he was kind of my mentor or whatever. He was very, it was like very kind of hands off experience. So it was like pretty much just on my own doing this. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, well, the Etruscans are pretty well known for, you know, like gender, like gender, like not equality, but like women in Etruscan society were always like regarded as like, they had more positions of power Mm -hmm. and they had like a greater Kind of stake in things, whereas like you know the Romans are were notoriously uh, matriarchal. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, 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 yeah. And so I wanted to figure out like w- like if like the onset of like Roman rule in that in Etruria, that part of Italy where the Etruscans were, would be like detectable with the change in gender relations, if that makes sense. And I didn't really like get super far with it. My project was kind of all over the place. I was looking at epitaphs and like burial goods and like language. I got really in the weeds and it was just I bit off more than I could chew. I never even fully finished it completely, but it was, it was fun. And then, but that was then shortly afterwards, I realized I wanted to do um, North American archaeology after I finished that.
2: So (laughs) yeah. That's cool, dude. I think all of us, like, it's why we asked the dinosaur history kid question in the beginning. Like, we're all, at some point, every archaeologist goes through, like, a, I'm really hyped on Greek and or Greece and Rome stuff yeah, forever, yeah. like, as a kid. And then, like, you'll do it. Like, I wanted to do classics when I went to
1: school, and I was like, well, that, I don't want to learn German, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it. yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's, like, three categories. It's, like, Greek slash roman and then you have the egyptians and then you have the mezzo folks so there's like all people that there's probably another one too but it feels like the sexy ones yeah yeah you're like okay i've seen this here you know i watched movies on this i I did gladiator whatever you know (laughs) whatever inspires you but there always is it seems like you fall in those categories and you're like oh it's really complicated it's really convoluted and there's a lot of people in these disciplines, but if you're doing North American archaeology, like if you're doing it in the plains, you are there's like so much research you can be doing. Obviously, you mentioned uh, New England as well. That, that if you stay in North America and do prehistory or pre-contact um, or even contact era stuff, there's a lot of research to be done out there. So that's mm-hmm. a that's a cry to all our listeners: like, please study North American archaeology.
2: Definitely, yeah. I've told this to people that ask me these questions on Instagram a lot, but like you'd think there are some areas where like people haven't gone to, but like Connor, like your thesis kind of like proves it as well. Like people have been here for at least 10,000, 15,000 years. So it's like an upwards of 20,000 now, but someone's been in that spot and probably napped a flake, you know? it's like, there's always something there.
0: Yeah. They just found a site in Connecticut, 12,500 years old, right along the banks of uh, the Farmington River. So Hell yeah, yeah, it is it's called the Brian D. Jones site. It's found a couple of years ago now.
1: Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Yet. Cool. Very cool. So you obviously, yeah, you decided said, I want to do North American archaeology. And then you actually got to work doing collections, which is something David and I and Carlton have all done or dabbled in. Yeah. Do you mind talking about that?
0: Yeah. So it was at this museum in Washington Connecticut uh called the Institute for American Indian Studies and we were doing so like they had this this big uh, assemblage in their basement from this rock shelter in in the same town uh called Woodruff Cave that was excavated in the 1970s like throughout the 70s and they kind of like they bagged all of the like because like they were interested back then they were interested in finding like arrowheads and like you know the like you know glamorous stuff and then Mm -hmm. they kind of just threw all the debitage and like everything they didn't think was like super important in these big like paper bags and just like (laughs) and this like left them in a box for like 50 years (laughs) and then and then uh so i was applying to be an intern and they're like oh like you know we got a job for you we if you want to sort through, uh, this, this box of like moldy paper bags <laughs> has been sitting here for since the seventies. I was like, yeah, sure. And so it was, it was cool. I got to like sort through and like classify all this lithic, like lithic debitage from this cave, you know, it it's like dates from the, uh, I think it was like the early to late woodland period. Yeah. So it was like, you know, there's chert and quartz and whatever. I, mm-hmm. I found like some pottery that got mixed in there sometimes, and yeah, there was actually, there was a couple like, you know, calcine calcine bone, but yeah, I did that. And, you know, that was kind of like my day-to-day work. I also helped, or helped out around the museum. Like I would help assemble and disassemble exhibits. They, what else did I do? I, oh, and then there was also a, this assemblage of like, like pottery that they had and like, it needed to be, you know, sorted out and cross-mended and kind of just organized. So I helped with that too. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, tedium but what's archaeology if not tedium
2: right i think i i probably say this at least every other podcast or not every other but in our bigger ones collections guys like listening if you're wondering what kind of job like you can get in archaeology or like what do i do like look for collections jobs and if you're at school like take any opportunity to do anything collections based because one there's like millions of art billions of artifacts that need to get sorted And like only so many archaeologists and so many tax dollars. And like in in my, in Connor's case too, we did it because we needed money in grad school and got like a a job doing it, just like being a tech, but then it ended up employing me for the last three years, like with a 401k and stuff like that. So like it, it, it pans out for you and yeah. So like good on you for, for doing that. Cause that's a skill that a lot of people just overlook cause they just yeah. want to go dig. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I enjoyed
0: collections. I mean, I did not mind the like kind of monotonous aspects of it cause I thought it was pretty therapeutic, honestly. And like, and I yeah. had a lot of fun no, with all my people who I was working with, like they were all great. So yeah, no, it's, it's a good time doing collections.
1: Yeah, well, and the, the amount of paper brown bags that are in basements that are like <laughs> yeah. actively yeah. molding and dying like that is like uh, Brian Schroeder, who's been on the podcast before, did his uh, master's thesis on a collection that was in brown bags that was in the same sort of context that they wanted to look at all the bones, the bison yeah. bones. So they did the bison bones and they kept the lithics other places. And yeah, so there's always room and there's always work to be done in that sort of space and there's yeah. money for it like david david was well funded doing that stuff and yeah highly recommend that to yeah. anyone out there so to do North American collections, then you'll be solid. And on that note, I think we're going to end this segment, and uh, we will be right back. This has been episode ninety-seven of a Life in Ruins podcast. Welcome back to episode ninety-seven of a Life in Ruins podcast. We're talking with Nicholas Carbone, and on this, we obviously know know of you because of TikTok, and we definitely want to talk about your experiences on TikTok you know, telling people and learning people about archaeology for using the wrong verbs for that. But, you know, that's (laughs) it's just what it is. So what do you think is like some of the positives and negatives that you kind of have about creating content on on TikTok? Right. So when people like
0: learn something or they get something out of it and like they let me know that it's like a really rewarding thing and it makes me like want to make more. Hmm. But one of the hardest parts of doing it at the same time is that obviously TikTok is a very, it's conducive to like very short videos. And I try to keep mine like a minute or under just because you can't hold people's attention for like longer Mm -hmm. than that, really, especially on like, on like topics like this. And it's really, really difficult sometimes like fitting in all of the information that I want to fit into a video in under 60 seconds. It's like, it can get like really hard. And sometimes I spend like a day working on or, or more ch- trying to figure out how to even word a script that I'm like writing. So you write scripts. Because I do. I write scripts and then I like, it was, I don't know why I do that. I should just get like a teleprompter or something, but I, I, I memorize them. And so I have to like, take the time to remember it's like a whole process <laughs> so it, I, I, could,
2: I could make it way more efficient i just don't <laughs> it comes off like you like i assumed it was just yeah it, you don't think you need a teleprompter but i mean it always helps i guess but. yeah no it's safe time
1: <laughs> yeah well it's um, really impressive yeah, to, to, to can to be concise and to be to get everything that you want into there like i can't i, I it, it hurts my brain like a Like you guys doing that stuff is really, really interesting to me because it's, I always feel like I need to context everything, but you don't, if you're trying to teach folks, you can give them enough information to ultimately at least like lead them down the right rabbit hole.
0: Right, exactly. And that's, that's a big thing. Like on on TikTok, there is a lot of like BS and misinformation. I'm I'm sure David knows, if anyone's on, anyone on TikTok knows especially in anxiety meds. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so and that's the thing like and there's like a lot of like great creators who get in like like who do really great work like debunking and like conspiracy busting like you know like moros keen you guys ha- had him on yeah he he does that uh, Mini Man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and he and like and like you know and like they need like we need that like you know people like there to like i'm not a very combative person so i have a hard time doing it
2: yeah <laughs> um We've reached out to mini minute man too, to see if like he would want to come on and he's a little more combative with people or like would be, what's it combative? He's just more like, you, you're wrong. I'm yeah. really funny. Here's why. Um, yeah, 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 and like, yeah. we, we need that out there. I just don't want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm the same, same thing. Like I can't do it. I would just,
0: I would just fold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I remember like when there was that person, oh my God, it was like, oh, the, the Indigo Bruno saga. Yeah. 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 Or, or Um, that, or that one in the, the ancient Rome never existed. That one that happened to,
2: that was, yeah, Yeah. there's, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. I I didn't know that existed and somebody tried to like, they sent it to me and they were like, Hey, are you familiar with this person and can you get a hold of them so I can strangle them? And I was (laughs) like, uh, I've never seen that. Connor, are you familiar with this? No, I have, I have no idea what you guys are even talking about. I, Nick probably knows more than me, but like somebody, it was just, person saying that ancient Rome never existed it was all Spain or something like that
0: oh, they're like oh it's like it's an invention of the catholic like the, like the medieval catholic church like it, it was never a thing it was they're like they basically said like that like ancient Rome was like a theme park invented by the church and then, yeah, it was like a Whoa. whole, they were like, they were like the main character of TikTok for like four weeks. It was really obnoxious. That's Man, that's a, there's yeah. a lot
1: of bad takes out in this world. And that is probably the worst take. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is, yeah, no. That's not, oh my God.
0: I get, there was, there was like hundreds of hours of, of like worth of videos that just went into like, just like, just like pulling, but taking apart the, that thing. And and people like were kept like, like, were asking me like, oh, like, are you going to like make a response to this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not um i'm not getting involved i'm just gonna make videos about ancient rome and offer this and just like ignore it because the more i don't i I didn't want to breathe more life into it yeah (laughs) yeah.
2: that's a good way to go about it like i I have multiple like mentors that are like just don't like don't even mention the pseudoscience stuff because like you're only giving it more air i think just like you said but
0: yeah unless um, like unless like you are like completely like going like if that's like your whole thing where you just deconstruct these which is important and people need to do that and i just
1: i really commend people who can um yeah yeah, that's just not my that's not my personality as well so it's like uh we had dr anderson on who who does a lot of that and you know Archeo wolf who's i'm glad that those people exist it's it's probably a very thankful thankless job yeah (laughs) yeah
2: the bruno saga too was uh he, Connor he was the kid that was like I keep saying kid but he was the guy that was like with the Easter Island heads saying that they all have beards and it's connected to like like the whole ancient civilization thing and <laughs> yada yada and like oh, it was, he, he had
1: like the airpods that he or like the oh, headphones that he hung right here was right? so he the one that was like yeah, yeah,
2: always yelled super loud he was always screaming into the mic
0: is that him or is that a oh yeah
1: and he's like like what how does Dude.
0: that
2: even happen yeah I was like the one guy I like made responses to because I was just like oh my god <laughs> but we're, we're friends now on like tiktok and like we chatted it up and he was like that mini minute man guy like ripped me up. and i was like yeah man he was like i appreciated what you did because you just made like made it funny you didn't like rip me to shreds and like we'll chat but like his his whole thing is like he does like the universe is all math like videos and stuff like that yeah. so easter island wasn't his forte but
1: but didn't you, had he had a response video too, like where he mentioned you and was like, thank you for like teaching me kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I liked that. And
2: that's what I liked about your TikTok too, man, is like, it's just your videos are consistent, you're teaching and like, you're thrilled about it. You're not like, I mean, I love Wolf. like I'll put it up and watch him just rip a kid to shreds. <laughs> but then like, it's just a nice brush of fresh air, breath of fresh air to just learn something. And I, I think being that extending the olive branch to those people who are just, you know, completely like irreparably wrong. Um yeah. it, it's better than being combative, I think. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, and that's that's part of my my kind of mission with it is like to the extent that I have a mission with this, it's just like I, I yeah, I, I want to like fill people's feeds with like genuine, like just genuine, like like as truthful as I can possibly make it, you know what I mean? The content and 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 that's that's getting to the heart of this is like i firmly believe that like archaeology is interesting and fascinating and really entertaining like in its own right mm-hmm. and you don't need pseudoscience you don't need like all this like just bs to like make it interesting because that's the thing like with tiktok like tiktok has the shortest attention span of any social media platform, like your average TikTok user, does is is not, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a goldfish, and, and and unfortunately because of that, and like all social media suffers from this, but like because of that, TikTok is I think sus- especially susceptible to like misinformation and like mm-hmm. uh, conspiracies because it's the most like like t- like t- like tantalizing eye-catching clickbaity stuff that can like really catch your catch catch you on the for you page. Mm and like i i think my like what i want to do with dig the past is just like show people that you don't have to buy into that to like have fun with archaeology and have fun learning about archaeology like you don't need that stuff to to have it be entertaining like the truth and like and like not the truth but like the factual information and like scientific like, science is like you know entertaining in its own right and you don't yeah
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. I was just saying I completely agree because like you don't need aliens that they're it's just how people lived in the past and not knowing about that and trying to figure out little facets of it is something that is exciting enough for me to just exist as is because it's so like you said, it's interesting, it's fascinating. I don't need my aliens to come in there and tell me that that things are different. It's yeah. just mm. that's what, what we are gonna say, David. Uh yeah, just saying the same thing. Like that's my whole philosophy with it. Like it's all
2: I almost thought you were going to say this too, but I mean, it's along the same lines. Anthropology is the study of humans. So like, therefore anything in anthropology could be presented in a way of like, why this matters to you. Like astrophysics, some people are just never going to care. But like, like you can always say like, this is how people used to live. Like as like families, like they had dogs and stuff like that. And it's like relevant to you. And a lot of people miss the mark, not kind of capitalizing on that. And like good TikTok and youtube channels and stuff like stefan's and stuff like that's good it's a yeah because
0: that's because yeah and and i think the most the videos or like the content that resonates with people the most is the stuff that's like most relatable and like all like you said david like all of anthropology is relatable because it's humans Mm -hmm. um and so yeah no totally yeah
1: well and i think i think what you're talking about with like the stuff in new england it also gives you a connection to where you live, like yeah. a physical connection to where you live that's not just historical. It can be prehistorical. You know, it can really, like, trying to understand how people lived on a landscape to me, like, hurts my brain, but yeah. it also fascinates me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, like, I just picture little tracks in my head of, like, where people are walking and where they're moving through stuff like that. That's, that's the sad place that is my brain.
0: <laughs> and I, yeah, I do that too. you know, just envision, like, w- like walking anywhere and just like i I stopped for a second i'm like oh what did this place look like five thousand years ago and trying to reconstruct the environment in my head and like like reconstruct how people would have moved on the landscape and yeah i do that all the time it's just it's this is archaeology brain (laughs) like
2: yeah it sounds like you got it you've (laughs) got the itis (laughs) of (laughs) that we
1: we all think the same way so what was your favorite tiktok that you created i know we Mm -hmm. we, like like in like in our podcast we don't we try not to, we love them all equally, you know, except for the, the one with the guy who talks about the red thing, but we're not going to talk about Bernie Taylor. You know, that's a whole thing. We're not going <laughs> to just not even going to deal with that. Um, but what is your, like your kind of favorite video that you created through this? Uh, to
0: be honest with you, I, I, I think it's the Boylston street Fishwear, and that's my first one. And it's, you know, it's, you know, it's my first one that I posted. It's my favorite, but like, it really is just cause I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it was on its face, it's like a relatively simple thing. It's like, oh, it's this like fishing contraption that like, you know, is underneath Boston. But like, it really resonates with me. One because like I'm living in Boston right now, and like every time like I I go past Boylston Street all the time, and I don't, it's just like it's just it's so fascinating for me because like I I found out about the about the Boylston Street fish weir like a while ago. I never even knew it existed, and. And then I found out about it, and I was like, "That's the most interesting thing to think about." Like, this used to be like this ancient shoreline. It looked completely, com- like, one hundred percent totally different from, from how it does now. I, what I love about that video is like, it kind of makes you like re envision like the city, and like think about how it used like like what the landscape. It, it make it makes you think about the deep time, sure, of the place. And and I think that's just like my favorite like thought exercise is just like is this thinking about like how deeply ancient everywhere you everywhere you go is like every mm-hmm. single place that you walk has been or has been there for forever <laughs> really
2: yeah yeah um I, as a kid like in New York City like the I saw a little plaque I forget what museum was that or maybe it was just at Central Park but what. Manhattan looked like, like when people would have from Europe, like arrived Yeah, and like, it's just like to think about the skyline of Manhattan, the entire island is just metal right now and concrete. Yeah. Yeah. But before that it was just trees and like Boston was the same way. Well, Boston
1: was, Boston was an island, like at least in like the 1776, oh, really? like it was like, there was like a small little isthmus that I think actually went to Boston proper, even in like the 1700s it's been built on, built up and, and, and things like that. So even, like that short amount of time, it's changed like that. It's crazy. Yeah, no,
0: and it's and yeah, that's, that's all. Yeah, that's all filled. Yeah, you're right. That's all filled in. Yeah, David, that's the uh, the Manhattan Project, right? It was like where they like, like 1609, it was, like when Adrian
2: Block. Oh, it's something it. big that I remember like yeah. hearing about or seeing somewhere as a kid. Yeah, yeah, and um, so and
0: that, that's that's like a, so that's something that I would love to see applied like more like in more places because like I, cause I like, I love paleo environmental reconstruction mm-hmm. stuff in general. And so, yeah, that's just, that's so interesting to me.
2: It really is. And I guess, you know, Donnie dust, right? Like on TikTok, the the yeah. guy makes all the tools and stuff. Uh, yes, we had yeah. him on and like one of the cool things that we chatted about was like knowing the indigenous people and like about the culture and the history of the area you're at. If like civilization were to collapse or like, you know, just something like an EMP, just any kind of disaster, you know how to survive in that area just solely based on archaeology. Like here's how you build houses. Here's how you get the food. Here's like, and I just wish more people knew that. So I guess that's your goal too. Yeah. No, that's,
0: that's the thing. Like. There's history everywhere. And that's why I, I, you know, obviously I'm interested in North American archaeology and that's why I post about it. But at the same time, I also post about it a lot because obviously most of my audience is in the United States. And there's this like really like kind of sad conception that like you have to go somewhere else to experience archaeology or to experience history or like like deep time. Like, oh, like, you know, like I want to go, like as cool as Italy is or as cool as Greece is and like in terms of its archaeology, it's 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 right here. It's it's right here if you know where to look. You know, it's 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 under the suburbs. It's under it's under Manhattan. Yeah, no. It, it's just such and that was like such a cool and that's why I kind of switched like to like it's like doing North American archaeology was just that's just such a it, like intellectual, like just like thought provoking thing to, to yeah. study. Yeah. yeah. Keep you up uh, at night. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I think we'll kind of segue to, to ending the show. Thank you so much for coming on and, and, and chatting with us. But, but before we end the show, uh, what are a couple sources um, that you would recommend for, you know, anyone interested in anthropology and archeology?
0: span First, I would recommend Connecticut's Indigenous Peoples, what archaeology, history, and oral traditions teach us about their communities and cultures. That's by Dr. Lucianne Lavin, who uh, I met actually briefly. Um, she's the, I don't know what her exact, her director or something. She was like in charge of the uh, Institute for American Indian Studies, uh, where I worked. And that's a really good Introduct not uh, again yeah, kind of like an introductory book to the to Connecticut archaeology for mm-hmm. anyone who's like from New England like Southern New England in general who's like interested in the archaeology of Connecticut or like where like like local to you yeah no that's that's a great book lots of pictures <laughs> and you know it's a uh, no that that's a really good one mm-hmm. and then I would also say uh, becoming an archaeologist a guide to professional pathways by Joe Flatman. Never heard of that, that. Yeah, it's just like it's like a little career advice book that I found really helpful. I probably read it, I should have read it sooner than I did because it gives you like a rundown of like the realities of working in CRM, the realities of trying to like get a job in academia, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it was, it was, eye, it was an eye opening read I and mean, it, it's, it was very like in your face, like real, like, you know, like look like this is the reality of the situation. It's not easy. Yeah, so that's yeah. a really good one. Like, if you're like a prospective or like if you're, if you're an undergraduate like me, definitely read that. And then lastly, David, I loved your YouTube video. It was like anthropologist explains ADHD, depression, and imposter syndrome short film. Yeah, that got me through or helped get me through my last semester uh, with all that research. Like, as someone who also has ADHD, I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, and yeah, it it is just like. Yeah, that I felt very seen. And yeah, actually I've I've discovered you first through YouTube. Okay. And then because like I, I had like been watched I had like passively like watching your YouTube channel like for the last like six months or whatever. And then like I knew then I saw you on TikTok and whatever. But yeah, no, that that's a great video. I loved that. That was really Shit, well put together. It's gonna make yeah. me
2: cry. I didn't <laughs> realize like it was that impactful to people. Yeah, no, that helped um, that really helped me. Cool. Damn. Didn't know that. I also didn't see that my name was on here. I just saw the big anthropologist explains. <laughs> Damn. Well, I appreciate that. I had that whole idea ADHD wise, like came to me in the shower and I was like talking to myself as the prehistoric dude <laughs> and me just like arguing and like I'm, I'm fully insane. Uh, and I was like, I gotta, I have to record this or I filmed that whole thing like in a night cause I was like, yeah. I have to get it out. Yeah. I appreciate that. I was going to say to you, uh, the whole time, like you remind me of me, and like I, your videos are so articulate. They're really well researched. Clearly, got a good head on your shoulders with everything you've been doing. So I don't know you, but I'm proud of you. Keep it thank up, thank you, David. Thank and you, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Your sweater game is on un- point. <laughs> un- right, kind <laughs> yeah. mean, of wanted to talk about that. Yeah, that's,
2: that's thanks to uh,
0: my my partner. She uh, she picks out all of my sweaters. So that's that's not <laughs> that's
2: I'm not taking credit for it. <laughs> well, it's awesome. Yeah, keep it up. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you on social media? So you can find me at Dig
0: the Past on TikTok. I don't have a YouTube or Instagram yet, but I'll make those soon at some point. Uh, okay. So yeah, the, the, go to my TikTok and yeah, follow me
2: on TikTok. Cool. Instagram is where as old people are, so yeah. uh, it's fun on there. But. Oh geez. Uh So yeah.
1: because this is a Life in Ruins, we have to ask you the most daunting question that you'll ever be asked. So if you were given the chance again. Would you still choose to live a life in ruins? One hundred percent, absolutely.
0: There's sometimes where I'm like, I'm going into this field, I'm not going to make any money, but then it's like, you can't put a price tag on 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 like what an anthropological education gives you. It's it's just such a wonderful experience.
1: So yes, yes, okay, for sure, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we just interviewed uh, Nicholas Carbone. You can find him at at dig the past on TikTok. Guys, you know what time it
2: is. It is time for me to beg you to give us iTunes reviews on Apple or podcast reviews to say. Again, I will extend the olive branch. If you write us a review and send us a screenshot in the podcast DMs on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, or email us or smoke signal, I don't care. I will send you a sticker of the show. And Carlton now has a stack of freshly clean, matted a life in ruins podcast stickers, which he would gladly send you to. So. That's a free sticker if, again, if you go to the podcast on Apple and give us a review so we can appease the Zuck. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) He's not, he's not around Apple. So
1: there's a a place to uh, give reviews or rate things on Spotify now. Please make sure and do that. And with that, we are out.
2: Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at
1: gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. Yeah, hey, uh, Connor,
0: but the, the joke.
1: Yeah, I, 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 could, I could do a joke. I could do a joke. So why should you never date a tennis player? Why? Love means nothing to them. Oh, wow. Wow. That's pretty good. Damn.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And with that, Connor, uh, I think we're finally out.
1: This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland.